my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a great day so far. Welcome to the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. And I am here today with my dear friend, Tiffany Castango. Tiffany, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day. I get to spend it with you. So thanks for asking. How are you? Oh, any day with you is an awesome day, Tiffany. I'm doing well, though. I'm doing really, really well. So Tiffany and I, just like every, almost every guest I've had on this show, met on LinkedIn. Again, I expressed the power of LinkedIn and how important, important that platform is to network and get to expand and know your HR community. I think that COVID-19 has done, um, done me one justice besides taking away some of my loved ones. It has allowed me to meet many amazing people. And Tiffany being one of those people. So Tiffany, would you tell the audience, what is your HR origin story? How did you get here? And what do you do now? Oh, I love it. I will tell you both. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time. And when we talk about the, the gifts of COVID, right? Like there have been some setbacks for, I think, all of us. Mm-hmm. And we have to acknowledge that. Acknowledgement is key. But um, COVID times weird. It feels like sometimes one year has been two years. So I've been doing HR and loving it for 13 years. And um, I'm grateful because now I know you. But yeah. for me right now, I'm an HR consultant and I support small to medium enterprises with building their strong teams, cultures, building out their employer brand. So cultures where people want to stay. So I help build these infrastructures, whether it's a new founder, someone without HR, maybe the CFO is HR. Um, Sometimes it's peer to peer in my own HR space. Maybe someone doesn't love doing a certain task or they need someone more senior or they need some bandwidth on a project. I, all of those things are represented in my current client base, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. And so I'm based in Pittsburgh, but um, I'm from Milwaukee originally, and that's where the nemesis, um, the, the genesis, I should say, of my, sometimes it might be nemesis, of my HR career started. And it was You not- know, when you said Milwaukee, I just remembered, <laughs> um, do you remember the happy days with the fawns? Yes. Wasn't yes, that set in course. Milwaukee? There's a statue. Yes. 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 I was like, I was hearing a song in my head. Oh, <laughs> some people don't even know where it is. So yes, I'm a Midwest girl at heart. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> wow, you just took me back in time. I'm, I am aging myself on the podcast where no one can see me. <laughs> well, I'm right. I'm right there with you. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you notice how quickly I was like, oh, of course. Yes. I loved happy days. Continue, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you did. I've never talked to anybody about that before. And Are you so, Like I said, yeah, some people don't know about Milwaukee even. Wow. And the fact that you put those two together is even better. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I kind of, it was,
was kind of funny. I had a little bit of a slip where I was like nemesis versus Genesis. I do that occasionally, Mm -hmm. but it was that way in the beginning because it was so difficult to kind of crack into HR. I know you're doing a lot of this work to help support people. And I'm blessed with some other COVID gifts, 2020 gifts, as I call them, to help support people in our space of HR, because it was before I was told, like, you don't have enough experience. And so you need, we need always in life, right? For someone to take a chance on us. And I'm grateful that one organization did so that I could start to build my HR muscle, get the skills, and then continue to grow my career. I had some great mentors who believed in me. So I started out as an HR assistant at a trucking company. And that was short-lived because it was not a great environment. Right. And it did not support me as a person. Leadership was not great. And I continued to learn and hone that. And throughout my career, I've had, you know, from an HR coordinator to moving to a generalist and a business partner, and then into leadership, I always intentionally wanted to be um, kind of a Jill of all trades. I wanted to absorb it all. And that's why I went the generalist track um, and business partner track, because Mm -hmm. I know how important it is to learn the business. And I wanted to know a little bit of everything. So I Mm -hmm. intentionally didn't specialize. And now today I get to be a consultant and bring all of the strategic work um, to do a lot of strategic planning with clients. And it, my career path has served me well in that way. So I'm very grateful. Awesome. You have lived an amazing life as a career, as an HR professional so far. And I'm sure you have lots of nuggets to share with our guests today. <laughs> so let's get right to it. Um, The question I wanted to ask you was, what made you decide to switch from being a generalist in an organization to a consultant? I think that's the first, like, very important thing to recognize. I know, like, I know I made my switch because I I just knew I couldn't work in one organization anymore because I had more, I have more to give. And I don't want to be restricted to one organization. And I feel like the way the future of HR will become more like that, where people will see the importance of giving their skills and their love and their attention to more than one organization versus being stuck in one organization. But why, why did you make the switch? That's, I, I knew there was like even more, I love the more times we talk, the more aligned I realize we are. And yeah. now I understand very energy focused. I understand why my energy was drawn to your energy because uh-huh. that is my why. I've worked in toxic workplaces. I've worked in places where I feel like I didn't fit or I had to try to fit and where my mm-hmm. voice wasn't celebrated and elevated. And mm-hmm. after all these experiences, I thought there has got to be more than this. And don't get me wrong, I've had some amazing ones. And like I said, some amazing mentors. But I was like, I can't do the work I want to do truly as one person in one organization. And I've worked for both small, large, public, private, mm-hmm. um, for-profit, nonprofit. And so I've seen all the industries in the spaces, but I started doing the small ones because I'm like, in my experiences, they don't have all the resources and they no. need some more guidance and they want to be doing all these things, but they're a little bit held back because of not even knowing how to build their infrastructure. And so that's where I wanted to be. But being one person in one organization, you can't serve at that level. I I know that we're both people of faith. And so that I just have always had this nagging something like you have to do more, you want to do more, you have more talents than what are being even leveraged. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got here. Community is big for me. I've always been a volunteer since I was young. Um, And so I was like, this fits those two worlds. Mm -hmm. I need to be 
doing more of this and I can impact at larger scale if I go out on my own. Exactly. I could not agree with you more. We, yes, we are definitely going to think <laughs> that way. I appreciate you so much for that. Thank you. Oh and God. you know, I feel like it's so important for HR professionals to kind of recognize that. So like people who are at a career crossroads and they're trying to figure out, I've heard so many people say in the last 18 to 24 months, like they want to dabble in being in consulting, but they're afraid they're, um, they're scared to try it, to go out there. And I know sometimes it's hard if you don't have the support from your organization first of all I think that if your organization is telling you that you can't have a side hustle that that's a problem like that's toxic organization 101 and you need to do something about that space but until you can you know you got to find a way to figure it out what advice do you have for people HR professionals right now who are probably thinking about dabbling in that space but might be struggling or feel a little conflicted I think, you know, that's, I've, I'm, I'm familiar. Um, unfortunately, I've been stuck. And so that's why I do a lot of work. Um, I didn't touch on it, but I do some one-on-one coaching. It's not uh-huh. the core of the business, but because hey. I've always had, yes, <laughs> always had this desire to help people reach their top potential, whether that's the individual organizations and hopefully as they connect into each other. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, of course we have to have certain policies. Like if you're trying to steal your employer's um, clients, that's probably not good, right? But we should be able to have a side hustle. You should want people to professionally develop. And I would tell people absolutely do that, especially if you're not getting what you need. And that's helped me because Mm -hmm. I was in roles where I'm like, whoa, this isn't what I signed up for, or I'm not being tapped to my potential. And so inherently I had to get that. I'm a lifelong learner, high potential myself, high achiever. And so go after what you want. If there's a gap in what you've identified as your skills or something that you're just craving to learn, Mm -hmm. go seek that externally if you need to. And I'm not telling people to go get another job. If you work in a toxic environment, I'd say you probably want to move down that route sooner rather than later. But we have to feed our own internal um, cravings. We have to do that or it will always eat at you. And there's nothing saying you can't help a friend out, help a family member. And how many times do we all get tapped for our expertise, especially in HR? Like, hey, oh, you work yes. in HR? look at my resume, right? So leverage those opportunities and start building your craft and your, your toolkit. LinkedIn's a great way. That's how you and I oh, met, yes. right? Oh, yeah. Go on there, share your expertise. Uh-huh. And it have to be a bad thing. And I, if, if I would have had my druthers, I would have started my business like well I still had um the extra revenue from um, my job but I, I didn't do that and it, it happened very organically and unexpectedly and that's okay too so yes. let your path be your path exactly. and and just own that we all were fearful when we started this journey Absolutely. so the fear is natural <laughs> yes and you know what fear you need fear there's positive yes. you know there's constructive fear that keeps you moving forward and then you know as long as it's not holding you back and I love what you said because I do believe that it's important to do stuff I call it the stuff that makes your heart sing 
Aww. Like, I feel <laughs> like it's important to do stuff that makes your heart sing. Like, this podcast makes my heart sing because I get to meet amazing people, beautiful people like you. And I get to hear different perspectives. I get to learn more about HR. I get to learn more about HR in different cultures. I get to learn more about what people are reading, their resources. And I'm going to learn a little bit more about that from you too. Because I find that sometimes when I ask that question, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that other people would enjoy? I end up buying the books or (laughs) following something (laughs) or watching something because someone on my podcast has recommended it. And it really does um, help me to build my repertoire and my expertise and my experience. And I do that by living vicariously through each guest for an hour or so every show. So, <laughs> so thank you so much for that. I really do believe it is important. And I'm sure that um, our audience really appreciate the advice that you gave us just now. I want to ask you this because you said you cater to small to medium businesses. So again, that question of, okay, now I've decided I want to be a consultant. How do I attract business? What are some of the things that you did to attract business? And what are some of the recommendations that you'd make? I'd also add, what are some of the learnings that came out of as you started? Like, I'm sure you made mistakes. What were some of the learnings that you made, you you have from your experience so far? Yeah, what a great question. I love a good, powerful question. So anybody who knows me knows I'm that I I'm full of them. them. I'm full of them. <laughs> yes, you are. That's why we have great conversations. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, um, I, what I would say first is to, I know people are tired of people talking about authenticity, um, but there is something to be said for that. I know that I have attracted my ideal client because of who I am and because of the feedback I've sought from them. So I know that what I'm doing is the right thing. So I use LinkedIn primarily um, in order to, to attract people's attention, but I'm also blessed by referral. So leverage your relationships, yeah. always be who you are. Um, and, and LinkedIn and the whole social media piece, the content marketing, that's a whole new world that I had. So talk about lessons. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> there have been some people who have helped me along the way. And so that's the other piece is like making sure that you ask for help. We don't get if we don't ask. And I think if you're somebody like me, who sometimes it's tough to ask for help or to delegate, especially when you're a high achiever, like I'm going to figure it out. Well, don't lose all that time. And sometimes it's better to hire somebody with that skill set or to help have somebody help you along. So I've done a lot through LinkedIn. I've gotten some inbound leads from there. I've had clients and friends and family refer people to me. So you build this brand um, and LinkedIn's great for being able to do that. Yeah. I have a Facebook page too. So there's other mediums depending on you know where your audience is, right? It might be Instagram, it might be Twitter. We've talked about diversifying that way, yeah. Yeah. which is something I had to learn too, is that you can't put all your eggs in one basket and you (laughs) you really you really get humbled in entrepreneurship and Uh so grace with yourself is so important too that's been a huge lesson but Mm -hmm. I think you know when you create your content you eventually build this library of of things and it's such a beautiful process and you listen to the market that is key Uh and so I went fast and furious at first like LinkedIn I got to do all the marketing things I have to do this because there is this hustle culture out there that that's what they teach you 
That's not exactly reality at all. And so there's a subset of us now who are starting to share, like, this is what it actually looks like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it means like I did at the end of last year, taking a step back and being like, slow down, pause. What do your, what does your audience actually need? What are people needing? Like when COVID hit people's focus is different. It was more on staffing. It was more on technology. It was more on like the health and safety component than some of the other things that we as HR professionals may think, well, I have all the answers. I know what it, even for me, like who doesn't always need a good culture? Um, But that's, that's not exactly, you know, at that point, that wasn't the main focus. You have to shift and go with, you know, you have to use their language and you have to understand them. Just like if you're working for an organization, you have to understand your stakeholders. And so thankfully I was well equipped with that piece to always know the business. But those are some of the the great lessons that I've learned. And, you know, one of the greatest of those, just authenticity and grace. Those two will take you so far. Grace with yourself and with others. (laughs) Definitely. I got to agree with you there. And And I love that you said it that entrepreneurship will humble you and it really will because when you create a business even though you know that your service is good and it has value people will test you people will test you and your ability but they will also test your faith and your fortitude Um, they will make you doubt yourself in your own ability and that's just the nature of the customer right and the services that we're offering are not like physical services like there's no we're not selling a t-shirt or a piece (laughs) of fruit right um we're selling our advice and our expertise that we have gained over time and I think that it sometimes is a bit of a mindset um shift for a lot of us because we've been in organizations but now where where we've built credibility to some extent and value to some extent because a lot of times we're leaving because we can no longer take the toxicity which means people aren't respecting and recognizing our worth and our value Um, and so we're trying to give it where we believe that it's going to have more of an impact right small businesses small to medium businesses definitely need the help but I also know that small to medium businesses usually have cash flow issues um, and they have a lot of people issues because you're small, you want to run the business like a family. Mm-hmm. But when you become medium, you still want to run the business like a family. And chances are a lot of the people in senior positions in the business are family. Uh, <laughs> and so I say all of that to say, that must come with its own challenges. How do you manage that as, as you make your choices to select who you will and will not work with? Because that's the great thing about being a consultant. No, you have the power to say, yes, I will work with you or no, I won't, or I don't think we're a good fit. So how do you deal with that family mentality? Because family is good and family is bad. Let's face it. How do you deal with that? That's such an important point that you made. I think that, you know, it's, yeah, even in our own families, right? Like, yes, there are dynamics that come along with it. And there's nothing wrong with being like, this is who we are. This is what we're, I had a great conversation with uh, one of my clients earlier this morning, not long before this, 
And they talked about this evolution and how, you know, when we were two people starting out, moving to 16 people, and now at 35, like that, that looks different and things Mm -hmm. have to shift. You have to be open and aware to that for that to happen. And you can, they describe themselves as a family, but when I walk in there and I have recently, um, you feel it, you feel the culture, you feel that difference. So there's, Family, like, we're all going to, like, but we're going to be honest with each other and we're still going to be healthy. Yeah. And then there's family where it's like, nope, my way is right. This is, you know, it's very toxic. Nobody's listening to each other. They're all, you know, everybody's got their own personal agenda. And so there's absolutely um, some challenge that comes with that because as you scale and grow, things have to change. You have to do things differently. You have to understand where even your own gaps are that maybe there are things you still have to learn to come along the way and if you stay stuck you're not going to be competitive you're going to turn over your employees because you're still trying to operate like you're two people when you've grown that much um it's it's just not a good state so that can be some of the the challenges or forcing that family feel onto trying to overlay that on a culture that no longer fits that. Culture is fluid. It has to move. And so sometimes you see people want so badly, this is the place I want to be and where I want to work, that they've missed some things on, and, they're, and they're, they have blinders on, right? Like they're just going to ignore stuff, sweep it under the rug. Well, that's not who we aspire to be. That's not what the mission statement says on our website. Yeah. But are you living that out? Are you living out those values? And so those are some of the considerations that um, my clients are they, they get it. They're working through it and they know where um, they need my support in that. And so it's this beautiful co-created process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. And I think that that's important because you, like I said, you're in a driver's seat. So you are able to make that conscious decision about who you will work with and who you won't work with. And because you're exposed to more organizations, you determine what that feels like and what that looks like. So thank you so much for sharing that advice. I think that (laughs) tell, tell the audience, like, what is the name of your business and how can people interact with you to do business with you? Yeah, so I am a CEO and founder of Suffer LLC, and I love to share the acronym of what that stands for because I'm passionate about the HR community. So it stands for Cultivating the Evolution of Professional HR, and that's because of the cultural piece, because I'm like a lifelong HR person and I believe so passionately in it, Uh and I want to see us move forward as a profession. We've had such a bad rep of, you know, you know, we're boxed in of like, oh, they just come in when they hire and fire. There's a very strategic piece and the profession has evolved so much. So I'm trying to get that out in front of people, that messaging always so that we become more partners and we're not seen as a barrier. Um, So that's, you know, I have a website, it's sufferconsulting.com. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. (laughs) We live there together. We live there together. Yes, yes. And you know, there's something else that struck me um, based on what you were saying before of like the fit of a client, right? Like I recognize that I'm very blessed and I, I, because of the referral process, it tends to bring me exactly the ideal client where we're a good match. 
So I have not yet had the situation where I've had to say, oh, I don't think we're a good fit. Right. Um, but what I would say, there's kind of some flags where you might see some of that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I guess I have had a couple of conversations where I'm like, mm, I kind of wondered, but it didn't, you know, we just didn't get to that next level. And I would right. say if you're being asked to, the people aren't respecting your value or they want you to like constantly do proposal after proposal after proposal or go on this call and that call and this one, um, or you just get that gut instinct that maybe those values aren't aligned or they, they dance around questions or they, mm-hmm. they, you know, they say something where you know it's not in alignment with your values, then you probably want to walk away. There's definitely some telltale signs. So yes. um, I would say that too. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that that's important. So all of you HR professionals out there that are considering becoming a consultant, take Tiffany's advice. Take your time. Think about your ideal customer, who they look like. So their persona, what does that persona look like to you? And then you attract the people that you you draw, right? So whatever your personality is, whatever that culture looks like for you, those are the people that you want to attract. Don't try to attract customers for the sake of money. Mm. That'll never work. You'll, you'll be just as unhappy in your consultancy as you were in your corporate role. Um, you'll feel more fulfilled if you're working with organizations that match your values and match what you're trying to achieve. So thank you so much for sharing that, Tiffany. I really appreciate it. Thank you for adding on. That was solid advice. That is, yeah, don't do it. You'll be just as unhappy. Yeah, you'll regret that. You'll regret that. So don't do that. Think Mm -hmm. it through. Think it through very carefully. Yeah. So Tiffany, tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would really enjoy being a part of? Yeah, I just, I love soaking my hands into anything I can get. <laughs> I, I can see like lots of books back there. I can't make out what there, they are, but. There are a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> and both my husband and I love to read and we're both high achievers. So um, we, you know, there's personal books back there of each of ours and there's professional. I really love, um, I've been into like the four stages of psychological safety by Timothy R. Clark okay. is helpful. I just did uh, co-facilitated a workshop on that because because we have to understand, you know, how these different phases work when we talk about psychological safety and not as in a fluff term, but what does it mean individually? But then how do we carry that out as a team to have these environments where we can feel included, where we feel like we can manage up, where we can influence um, and just so many things. So that's that's one. Um, anything Brene Brown is okay yes. with me, <laughs> whether I read it or listen to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I am actually now, um, I'm reading Dare to Lead for the first time. I haven't gotten into it, but it's back there. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading it it's for the back first time. My mind is blown. But I just watched her Netflix special as well. Oh my gosh, that is so just, powerful. I could cry just thinking about it. Uh-huh. Empathy in the workplace, it's okay. Uh, yep, 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 absolutely. Anything <laughs> oh, Brene Brown is always a good thing. What else? Yeah, um, there's a book I like. I don't know if it's back there. It might be next to me. It was next to me. I must have put it back. Um, it's called The Power of Moments. I don't want to misquote who it is. I think it might be Heath. Um, I can't recall, but um, okay. it's it's. It actually was given to me by when I worked in healthcare, one of the leaders that I supported, so a okay. stakeholder, and she said 
that they were going through this as a unit and that, that they were talking about engagement and, you know, how these little moments can add up. You'd probably really like this book. Um, but it talks about like the just the sheer power in moments. And because I'm very energy focused and I'm an empath, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And she gifted it to me because she said that this is how she feels like I impacted her and her team as we work together. And that was just, what a gift, right? Yeah, (laughs) that is absolutely beautiful. I love that. Yeah, so a lot of engagement in there and just like harnessing that energy, right? Of a team and how you leverage their strengths. And um, so that one's a favorite. Yeah, nice, nice. I will include those links to those resources in the bottom of the comments uh, for this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing those. Really appreciate it. Let me ask you the big question, Tiffany. What is the one misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Oh my gosh, did only get one? Um, get one. Every guest gets one. (laughs) <laughs> all I right don't know if I'll ever change that to like what's your top two no give me your one <laughs> fair it is your podcast <laughs> I'll be a good guest I think for me the biggest one is that we are only there to tell you what to do and to be tactical or push policies we can be strategic. We are strategic. And so what I want people to know is that they should lean on us as true partners versus calling us just to be reactive because that doesn't serve anyone any good. And there's such a myth that like, oh, you need to hire somebody or you need to fire somebody, call HR. And it's like, no, there's all this beautiful stuff that's untapped potential, frankly, organizations. If you're not leveraging your HR partners, right? That's that's an issue. And if, if you're as an HR people person, like we have to be able to influence. And so make sure that you're able to sell that value. Exactly. How do you expect HR to influence if you report to the CFO who is one sole job is to save the company money? That's, I mean, I've reported as an HR person in a small startup to the CFO. And thankfully in that situation, that person understood the value of HR and understood that, hey, we can actually save money by implementing certain benefits or by doing a state interview and finding out what some people's minds, because guess what? If we know that ahead of time, we can start to adjust and iterate on the things that we're doing versus losing the person, which is a lot of money out the door when turnover happens. So just because you report to someone, I would say that if you report to someone that high up, that means that you have a whole lot of opportunity. And so it's starting to share perspectives. We always have to be open to other ones too, or like the way an organization works, right. but we can start to be very deliberate about our, our messaging and we can leverage our expertise to say, have you considered X? Have you thought about doing this in this way? And for me, those, um, these are what I call my curious questions that has served me well, because we're not going to influence by saying, well, you did this wrong. And I've watched my HR peers do this. Some of them, you, why would you yes. do that? You did this exactly. wrong. That's not the way to go. You're going to lose your people. Mm-hmm. You're going to shut people down. Exactly. So you have to come with empathy and solutions, mm-hmm. but also bringing them along. This is why I practice the way I do in my approach in my business. It's this co-creative process. You catch more flies with honey. Exactly. <laughs> you definitely do. I think that's I mean, how that goes. I think, that that's a, I think that's one of the many controversial topics when it comes to HR and HR reporting to the CFO. 
um, just because I think for the most part, people who are blessed to have a CFO that is people focused, or at least has a, a understanding and appreciation for working with HR, I think that um, HR professionals in that space are blessed because you want to have a good relationship with your CFO, your CEO, your head of marketing, your head of legal and compliance. You want to have a good relationship with all of those people because they help you to understand the business because they all know parts of the business. Well, your CFO and your CEO should know every part of the business, but for the most part, you're everyone else in that space is part of your circle of influence. And I think it's important for you to know how to how to manage those relationships. I still have a bias towards reporting to the CFO just because I don't think that every person has that blessed experience. Um, I'm for the most part, I find CFOs just being very money driven. So when they're told cut costs here, cut costs there, the first thing they do when HR reports into them is they go, like, can you tell us who we can let go? Which is not necessarily the answer. Like, where is some of these budgets going? That's the question you need to ask. And then like, what can we cut from the budgets? Because cutting budgets doesn't mean cutting people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it may be, you need to tell the CEC or we need to cut some of those golf trips. Or we need to cut some of those lunches, you know, that you're having with these with, with all of these people. Or we need to create accounts and leverage um, our relationships with restaurants or whatever so that you can continue to schmooze, but on a budget. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah, like I feel like some of those things. And I feel, and the other thing too is like, do we need all of this? I've seen so many companies waste promotional materials whether it be cups t-shirts pens like some of those things sit and rot so like maybe you need to start looking at that budget and cutting some of those things the first thing that should never be to cut people unless your people are not performing but then you look at the people who are not performing um And I see a lot of times, especially here in the Caribbean, we do this um, last in, first out nonsense, which annoys me because sometimes the last person in is more productive than the first person in. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen a lot. And also because we don't transfer knowledge properly within our organizations. We don't do the cross training that is needed and that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But I, I have a very big soapbox. <laughs> I, when you were saying that though, about the smoothing budget, I literally have, as an HR leader, gotten my hand slapped by other senior leadership who I reported to and who were in the office for not schmoozing with people and for not um, not doing the lunches or whatever. And it's like, well, they should go to lunch and they should. And I was like, so I'm being penalized because I want to be fiscally responsible. Isn't that your job? Isn't that what you should be doing too? And yeah. you sit at higher ranks than I do in the organization. Mm-hmm. So we have to be deliberate about these conversations. So I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's like such a very important thing. 
um, for us as HR professionals to really sit back and think about when people come at us with things um, or requests that we ourselves take a step back and go, okay, does this really make sense? Like, should we really be doing this? Should we be doing that? What are the real questions that we need to be asking ourselves? And, and we get the answers if we know the business. I love that because we, you know, in HR, we often react because we're trying to please the stakeholder or this culture of you have to do whatever they want. This is the CFO. You have to get it done. And it's like, when are we slowing down enough to make sure that we're working on the right things? Because there's a lot of waste and even financially in just reacting without slowing down to think about it or being proactive to say, what does the business need? What do my employees need? Absolutely. And then you just throw money at it. Not good. We can help you there too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think because we have such a great per, um, purview of the business and everything that's happening from a people perspective, from a business perspective, from an organizational perspective, we're able to help the, the business make better decisions, but you're not utilizing us properly. Instead, you're giving us aggro um, and you're excluding us from co important conversations when we could be helping you make a bigger impact and make a better decision that will be better received by the people if communicated properly. Even if it is bad news, you can still communicate bad news in a way that people will respect it. But when you're not transparent, when you're not open, when you're not honest, which again comes from all of that, as you mentioned before, lack of psychological safety in the organization, it can lead to some very serious repercussions for the business. So said, my friend, well said, <laughs> as always. <laughs> With that being said, my friend, you have survived your time in the sound booth today. <laughs> thank you. And I want to thank you so much for your time, for your energy, your experience, your expertise, your, your overall beauty and aura of being here and holding space with me. I appreciate that very much. My gosh, I echo that right back your way. You're just, you are just love and light in this world. And I look forward to continuing to support you on everything you're doing. I am just grateful for HR professionals like you in this world. This is how we're going to move forward. Thanks this is how me. we're going to move forward. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next Sound Off.